This is the Insulone podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... The heartbreaking part was you went through yourself, Owen, you know, you know, when you first diagnosed, it just turns your life upside down. And it turns, it would have turned your parents' life upside down as well. And it's like, this is very serious. We are in such a lucky period now, though, where we do have this technology. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. As always, I say every single week, it is a pleasure to have you here. And I always appreciate your time and your ears. This week, I had the pleasure of being joined by Adam Smolars to talk and give us a bit of insight about how his life has been since his son Jacob was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last November at the age of nine. And do you ever meet somebody or speak to somebody and you speak to them for like 30 seconds and you just immediately know that they're a really, really nice person? Well, that's exactly what happened when I spoke to Adam because he's an absolute gent of a man. I really, really enjoyed speaking with him. He's just such a friendly, nice, and genuine guy. And I really enjoyed this episode because, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, you you hear plenty of perspectives from people living with type 1 diabetes, how they have dealt with it personally, how they live with it personally. And what I really liked about this episode was it was a, a fresh, raw insight into the impact that a diagnosis can have on the parent of a relatively young child. And you will see Adam is concerned and worried and thinking about the future and thinking about the present moment when it comes to Jacob's diabetes a lot. And I just really enjoyed this. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it. And if you are a parent, a sibling, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, child of somebody living with type 1 diabetes, I really feel like you'll find this massively beneficial because I'm sure it's something you'll absolutely be able to resonate with <clears throat> there's a voice crack for you start the podcast it'll be, <laughs> it'll be something you'll definitely be able to relate to and resonate with understanding that different perspective as opposed to just the person living with type 1 diabetes so enjoy i'm gonna stop talking chat to you soon okay adam this is our second time trying to record <laughs> For anybody listening, we have been chatting for about 15 minutes and we had pressed record, but for whatever reason, the audio file wasn't coming through on my end. So this is the second time. But Adam, we are here finally, right? You have <laughs> reached out to us, Adam, because essentially you've been recently introduced to, let's call it the diabetes world, given the fact that your son Jacob was diagnosed at the age of nine just this year how have things been since so firstly owen thank you for having me on your on your podcast you know i'm 
I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've listened to many of your episodes, and I know we were talking before. And for me, there's not enough out there to for people to go to. Um, especially in my case, you know, being a being a parent of a nine year old, so it's actually come up to nine months now. He was diagnosed type one, and it's still hard. You know, every day is is different. Some days you think this is great, I'm conquering it, and the next day is is levels go all over the shop so i can't lie and put a smiley face on owen you know it is challenging and very very difficult absolutely as i i know firsthand myself and that's part of the reason why you know i was really looking forward to this conversation was the fact that we speak to a lot of people who are living with diabetes on this podcast obviously including myself and it's a very different perspective I feel from a parent so even let's just kind of go back to when Jacob was diagnosed I can obviously remember my diagnosis as if it was last week but with Jacob's diagnosis how did you know something wasn't quite quite right yeah so I'm a I'm a single parent um and Jacob spends his time between myself and in his his mum's house she just lives down the road and there was quite a few occasions she'd ring me up concerned over probably space of two or three months saying, Jacob's, you know, he's drinking lots of water. He's going to the toilet a lot. And of course, I'm more of a thinking rational. Well, of course, he's going to the toilet because he's drinking a lot more water. And then, you know, she's saying he's losing a lot of weight. And then I'm like, well, he's going through a growth spurt because he was getting taller at the time. So I was thinking very rationally like that and then there's just one evening when um she was out with him and she rang me up and he 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 drank about maybe a liter and a half two liters of water and i i thought then that's not right for for a nine-year-old child so i got the old nhs website obviously that we have over over here owen diabetes came up and you're slowly ticking the boxes you slowly so um i said to her i said look peace of mind take him to all day children's hospital here in Liverpool the next day, just, just run him into triage and see what they say. I was thinking it might just be some sort of urinary tract infection that he might have. And yeah, he was on, he was on bonfire night last year. So the 5th of November and then went in, he went into triage in the hospital. They did some initial blood samples found, you know, quite high ketone levels in his bloods and they just put him straight through to the to the A and E section where they had to, you know, put a cannula in him and take his bloods. So it feels like it was yesterday, Owen. And then that's and then obviously I I went and joined him in the hospital and then this this nurse came in and she said we think it's diabetes and that's the the start of this journey really. Hmm. I think back to what my parents must have been thinking when I was diagnosed. Obviously, parents are always going to be concerned. You're always their their child, essentially. But And I've spoken about this many times on the podcast before. What I feel is because I was older, there was more responsibility on me in terms of like, I can research it. I can understand what's going on. I can rationalize or try to comprehend this change that has or is occurring. Like, what were you thinking as a parent? And I know even before we pressed record, 
admittedly, you didn't really even know anything about diabetes prior to this. So like what's going through your head? My, my nine-year-old son is in hospital now. I've just been told he's diabetic. What are you thinking? You, you don't know what to think because, well, certainly for, for myself and for his mother, because we've got no diabetes history in the family as far as we know. And we, we were in the dark as much as Jacob was as well of you know what what is diabetes and you know you know over here in the uk there's you know there's a bit of an issue with the media where they 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 tend to bundle diabetes together you know they rather than a type one and type two so of course my perception of diabetes is is or was your type two perception you know unhealthy diet just not looking after themselves you know eating lots of junk food when obviously type one out, you know, I was completely unaware of, I, I, re, I really was Owen. So it, it was, that was, again, that, that was the start of that journey that week when, you know, he, he was then admitted for, I think it was five days into hospital. And then it was information overload every single day. You know, the, you know, the GP, the nurses, the psychology team, the uh, dietitians, nutritionists were coming to see us. And then, we were just given loads and loads of books and, you know, brochures to go away and read and learn about type one diabetes. And it was almost like coming out of hospital with a newborn baby again of, we need to get on with it. And again, st- still now I'm, yeah, I'm still learning every day, but yeah, after that first day, I, we just had no idea how serious it is. We, we, it probably took a few weeks to, to sink in when it really did. It is one of those conditions that you don't you don't understand the severity of it or the complexity of it until you're deeply involved with it. And it's funny that you actually use the analogy of a newborn child because I was recording a podcast relatively recently of somebody who is 40 plus years diabetic and she said the exact same thing. When I came home with now my diabetes I felt as if I have a child to look after. So when you think back, Adam, to the fact that like you're a nutritionist and dietitian and doctors and nurses coming in, which is a really, really good thing, and you're handed all these books, was it almost too much information too quickly or did you feel as if you were kind of ready to jump straight in? we needed the information and it was it was a lot of information to to take in all the hay hospital in liverpool they've got a diabetes ward and a diabetes team so we were very lucky you know there's different regions within within the uk that do not have that support so they were on hand 24 7 where where i personally struggled was all the you know the medical talk the jargon that's that's where i struggled but luckily, in an unlucky way, about two weeks later, it was a diabetes day at the hospital for the children. And obviously, you know, we took Jacob along and we were in a the room then with parents, with carers. And suddenly that was great because we were talking to, you know, non-doctors and we were just understanding and, and we were learning that way, basically. And, you know, you know, gone with the jargon that the, the doctors and the specialists were, were using. So that was probably... a you know, yeah, 
about two weeks in actually trying to form relationships with people who who were going through similar definitely helped our understanding and trying to manage what we need to do on a daily basis mm. what were your main fears coming back home with this new condition where do i start <laughs> how do we go through each day you know how do we handle that first hypo that first hyper how do we carb count um how do we wear the insulin pen you know how do we you know prick his finger to get the blood out um how do we understand what it says on the app you know regarding his blood sugar levels everything owen absolutely everything and yeah, we, we we you know we were given a book by the hospital called Carbs and Cows, and it's a, there's a great free app out there as well, which we we use uh, to calculate the carbs. And I suppose in a lucky way, you know, his mum's got a very you know very good job, and I I work in accountancy, so we could work the carbs out on how much to give him. And there will be some parents and carers out there that must struggle. But I remember very early on, I you know I, I took him out for for a takeaway sandwich, and um. I completely messed the carbs up, completely messed the carbs up. And I was panicking. I was stressed like, what do I do? What, you know, I've overdosed them here on, you know, I'm giving them too much sugar. And it was just trying to, yeah, again, you know, myself and his mother speaking to say, actually, it's okay. You just need to do this. Try, try, try not to worry. So yeah, that first day, that, that first week, Owen, it, it was, it was horrific. It, it, you know, I, I, I would not want to wish on anybody on anybody and and still now and i try to park it at the back of my mind you know you know yourself because you know you, you have t1 yourself you know is you know f- for jacob his life is in my hands every day and that's a huge mm. responsibility you know if it's without me or without school uh the trained teachers or or his mum the worst could happen and that's which is absolutely unthinkable and that is very overwhelming it really is it's something that I almost struggle to to even imagine it because I myself, as a type one diabetic, like truly understand that complexity where there's like on average, I think, an additional 180 to 320 decisions to make per day with diabetes. So I understand that for myself, but I almost struggle to even imagine what it is for a parent who essentially their child fully relies on because if they're not old enough to check their blood count their carbs take their insulin etc as you say it's all on you so like (laughs) i don't have kids yet and obviously if you have children you're throwing in hundreds of additional decisions anyway but then another layer of diabetes in there. Like how how often, Adam, do you feel like you personally are thinking about diabetes throughout the day? Every every hour, Owen, really, you know, um, when he's at school, it helps. But then he, when he's at school, it's, it's checking the app on the phone, you know, and I... I've tried to move away recently from checking the um, 
you know, his blood sugar levels, you know, where, where he's at on, on my phone. And I trust the alarms to go off on it. So yeah, every day, the days I've gone when he's not in school, he's a sensible, he's a sensible young boy. You know, he's nine years old, you know, he's, he, he, he turns 10 next weekend, but yeah, everything is a challenge. It's it's the planning. It's the planning of what's he going to have for breakfast? What's he going to have for lunch? What's he going to have for dinner? He wants a snack and he's trying to... I get very frustrated at, at it. And sometimes that frustration carries into himself and it's it can turn into a bit of a, you know, a nasty loop. And it's just trying to explain it to him saying, come on, you can have a cake. You can have some chocolate. You just need to wait your 15 minutes for the, the insulin to kick in. Um when I've injected him. So as you said before, you know, it's over 65,000 decisions every year that you need to make um, being a T1. And it is, there's a common thing going on now with parents and carers of burnout. And that's what it is. It's constant, constant burnout. Um, of an evening, I'm sure you'll probably have the alarm on your phone when, when you're having a hypo or a hyper. And that is like, I say to people, people say, what's the alarm like? I'm like, it's like a smoke alarm going off and you've just you are alert straight away so of an evening it could be 3 a.m in the morning 5 a.m in the morning and i think in the last nine months i've probably had a, a good eight or nine hours sleep maybe four or five times because even you're going into a bit of a light sleep because you're trying to listen out for the alarm going off um mm. so and that burnout that tiredness i go through you know that can reflect on jacob sometimes as well and it's just i just not try to I want to put smart, keep a smile on my face and and try to to reassure him every time that you know it's going to be okay. Has it been difficult to help Jacob understand why this change is happening? As in, again, I'll refer back to when I was diagnosed in the sense that mm-hmm. I could understand. Obviously, didn't know anything about diabetes initially, but I could understand that this is what was happening. This is why I had to manage my food. This is why I had to take these injections. This is why things were changing. How has Jacob kind of dealt with that side of it? He's dealt with it really well. You know, you know, we are blessed because he's a, he's a sensible young, young boy, but at the end of the day, he's still a kid. Owen, you know, in ev- every day we have a challenge with his diabetes. You know, I've got a, I'm taking him to a kid's party tomorrow, kid's birthday party tomorrow. And it, it's the randomness, isn't it? You know, previously, you know, if I took him on holiday or took him to the shops, he might see a chocolate bar and just, you wouldn't think anything of it. And now it's the, actually, no, you, you know, you, you know, you need to wait. I can get it. You can need to wait. And that really frustrates him. And then there's things like he loves his sport. He loves playing rugby. He loves his martial arts. He loves his swimming. He, you know, he, he enjoys playing football. And I took him the other night and he was playing football with his friend on the pitch and he had a hypo and he has to stop. So we obviously have to treat, treat, get his level up to a certain, um, we go up to about 5.6 on his, on his blood sugar until he can play football again. And that could take 15, 20, 25 minutes. And that's a frustration. And I can see it in his face. And you know, we had an uh, issue yesterday with school where exactly the same, they were doing some sort of um, sport as part of um, his physical education. He was really enjoying it. He had a hypo and he had to go and miss the end of it. And he got upset over it. And it's it's hard. You know, you know, you don't want to be picking your kid up from school when they're in tears. 
you know, finger that they're different from other children. That's, it's not fair, but you know, he he's understanding and in a lucky but unlucky way, recently there's somebody else in his year group in school and she's been diagnosed with type one as well. So there is somebody else there who who is now going through similar as Jacob. So, you know, he, he can be a bit of a shy young boy and she's a girl as well. So, you know, he'll give a bit of a wink, how you doing? As in, you know, we've both type <laughs> one, we've both got this we we both got his finger on you know on our arm. So that's good that he has got someone there, but you know, of course, you would never want anybody to to have to have you know you know you know type one diabetes. Um, so yeah, we 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 have our up days and our, our down days. We, we we really do. But mm. yeah, he's um yeah no he, he's he's doing it well and he does understand when we tell him no sometimes. Yeah, he does understand. It sounds like he's dealing with us pretty well up to this point. So fair play to him. <laughs> um, you touched on. Adam, there are a couple of things that or a few things or more than a few things that were worrying you when you had come home initially around learning how to use a CGM, learning how to inject, how to carb count, all these different things that essentially you're just thrown into straight away. Adam, have the worries that you did have initially, have they subsided to a certain extent? And if so... Do you find yourself worrying about different things now? Yeah, it's a really good question, Owen. So I, the things around like the carb counting when he wants to, uh, you know, have a drink or or his food with his, you know, we, we tend to go off anything over 10 grams of carbs. We'll give him an insulin injection. That worry's gone now. You know, I can calculate it and, you know, um, work it out on, on his phone on how much insulin to give him that worry's gone that's that's you know that that is as manageable it was very worrying the first time going eating in a you know in a mcdonald's or a pizza express because then it was obviously saying to the waitress or the waiter could you just let me know 15 minutes before and can you just go speak to the chef <laughs> so that was and obviously you know as as kids are like you know he loves his pizza and chips, which is an absolute nightmare meal for diabetics. Absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. How much do I reduce the bolus by, etc. So that is, yeah, every day with his food and is is obviously his drink. It's working out, but that's working okay. It's all the other, all the other worries around that. It's as as you mentioned, it's all the other decision making, which is draining. It is planning every day, so it's you know it's planning. Like I say. Oh, he's going to play rugby on Sunday, right? What do I need to do? I need to pack his bag. I need to make sure he's got his sweets. I need to make sure he's got his Lucasade. Um, and then when he's playing, I need to make sure he can be within range for a few minutes so I can get his read. He's got a Dexcom G7 at the moment, which has been absolutely fantastic for him. But I need to make sure he's in range so I can quickly check. So all of that won't go away. And I don't think he'll it'll ever go away. And obviously, you know, with the in the future hopefully Dexcom will be able to get the G7 working with a pump and we can, you know, get them onto a pump in the future. But of course, that will still need the carbs to be, as you know, to, to be worked out. But we are on top of that. Is all these other worries on a, on a daily basis, which which can be stressful, even, even taking them on vacation as well. So, you know, he's, he's, he's starting some holidays next week. So we're, we're taking him, and well, I'm taking uh, camping, 
uh, down to the south of England, and it's it's all those worries. I need a fridge, I need the insulin, I need to once if I, if I, if that insulin breaks, where am I going to get some more insulin from? I need to find the local. Where's the local hospital? You're just doing these lists of stuff or or, mm. or the what if so and so. That is the yeah th- that's that sides took over on a daily basis of it's more the planning side. But as, as I say regarding what what he's eating and drinking, that that's manageable. Yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, with what I find out with diabetes, obviously, you know, you've had a lot longer than Jacob has is one day he might have a, I don't know, ham and cheese sandwich, for example, and a, and a banana. His levels are perfect. He's wonderful. Next day is exactly the same. And he has a hypo. Oh, he has a hyper. And you're like, mm. what have I done wrong? And people say to me, "What? What is he sick? What sort of, I was like, I I was like, no, he's the same as yesterday. And that's diabetes, isn't it? It is it is just relentless every day. And you you do then second doubt. I see I'm I'm talking to you about carbs then. You then you do then second doubt thinking, actually, have I done that wrong? But you haven't. You've done it right. But for some reason that you know the body's just not accepting the insulin in that way the, the following day. So yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle. <laughs> It is, it is. But even from my own perspective, Adam, like, yes, even from the conversation we've had already, I can tell how, like, massively involved you are. You, it seems as if you quite clearly just couldn't be doing anything more. And the way I always talk about it is, like, inevitably there's going to be highs and lows from time to time. And it's really important that you don't feel guilty because of it or you don't feel as if oh i'm not doing something right that can just be the nature of it sometimes mm. you know i've been living with it for nearly 12 years i still have highs and lows that's just the reality of it we need to try and avoid them as frequently as possible but it's an incredibly complex thing to live with so it's important as a parent who is essentially new to this thing that you're not thinking you know i'm, I'm not doing what i should be doing or i'm not doing something right because already i can tell you're on board with everything okay so just (laughs) that's important that you know all right it reminds me actually you touched on you know jacob having these hypos at the start and reacting to the first hypo reacting to the first hyper i remember when i was when i was initially diagnosed i went out to I, it was like a Chinese, a local Chinese restaurant. I went out with my dad and he actually, I think he told this story on the podcast before because we had him on as a guest and we were sitting down the Chinese and I had a hypo and I think it was like the first hypo that my dad had seen me have while I was there. And I put up my hand like this and it was just kind of like trembling because that feeling of a hypo was like, brand new i've never experienced it my whole life basically and it was just like trembling like this and my dad goes oh and what's that it's like that's what a low blood sugar is and it's like this these strange introductions to new concepts and words and terms that just were non-existent prior to that diagnosis and the way i look at it is like i always have like strange analogies for things or strange ways of thinking about things but i almost feel as if when you're diagnosed you're just unlocking a door that has never been seen before and you're you're walking into a room with 
all of these different elements and shelves and cupboards and all these different things that need to be opened and adjusted and changed. Mm-hmm. But it's just like a completely, it's almost like a completely different consciousness in a strange sort of way. That might be a bit too conceptual, but, <laughs> but I hope that might make sense. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. What, you know, what you're saying and, for the first few months, Jake was asymptomatic. So he, he just, he had no idea when he was having a hypo. More recently, he has this, this pain in his stomach where he feels hungry. It, I'm trying to distinguish, actually, you're a nine-year-old child. You're always hungry. Is that a hypo hungry or are you hungry? So he's he, he's able to distinguish that now and he's, he, he is good at it. You know, when, you know, we're, we're getting out of that asymptomatic phase, obviously the honeymoon period is coming to the end with his, with his pancreas. So he can talk through it as well. It's, it's, it is, it is a lot better, but like you, I'm sure, you know, when, when your dad saw, saw you with your hand shaking and the first time Jacob said it to me, he said, dad, my, my, you know, my, my stomach's hurting. I feel hungry. And then 30 seconds later, his alarm goes off, his hypo alarm and that's LinkedIn now. We, we we know that's happening. And again, for for your dad, that must have just been so worrying and concerning for him to see because it, it shouldn't happen to to any child, you know. And that mm. that was the that was the same with Jacob as well. You know, he, he shouldn't be having this pain in his stomach, but in a way, that pain in his stomach is alerting him. He's he's, he's lear- starting to learn his body now and learn how his how his body's talking to him. You know, wh- whether he's going to go into that that hypo mode. What aspect, Adam, do you feel, what aspect of parenting do you feel for you has changed the most since Adam's diagnosis? Or sorry, since Jacob's diagnosis? What a question that is. Um, Because I've always been his best mate, his dad and his best mate. And it's now, it is not, as I mentioned before, you know, it's day to day, his life is, is in our hands. And it's that extra responsibility it's that extra checking if you know if i hear him go to the kitchen in the past and i hear cupboards opening i'd be like what are you doing in the kitchen jacob you're getting some food now and now if he's doing it i'm like and i am over his shoulder sometimes owen and i'm like right what are you eating right i've said you can have one biscuit because that's got five grams of carbs in do not have two biscuits you know if you give a child a, a packet of biscuits they will try to have more than one more than one biscuit so it is un, until and again it's it's just relaying that message to him saying look i know it's rubbish but if you want to have more of a snack you can do it's absolutely fine but i need to give you your insulin so again that it's it's trying to some days when we have more low days and high days at at the moment and as we tweak his levels in the future I know we will we will have more better days than uh, sorry sorry than bad days. Um, so for now, there's going to be times when I'm feeling so knackered, like I am now, or you know, and very irritated. But when I see him, it's just putting on the happy face. It's putting on the happy face. And then if he says to me, "Daddy, do you want an early night at nine pm?" I'm like, "Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely have an early night." But in the past, I'd be like, "No, please, you go upstairs, please. and I'm I'm gonna yeah. yeah, I'm gonna watch a movie." Now it's me, Owen. I'm like. Oh, really, really tired. Really tired. So, it is. Yeah, he is. Like I say, we are blessed. He is very sensible. But I am on his shoulder around his food and his drink. And if he wants to go into the garden and run around with the dog or play football, it's trying to say to him, "Look, I just need to check your levels because you're going to be burning some energy. You're going to be sweating. So come on, let's just give you 
to give you a biscuit or give you half an energy bar just to get your levels up. So it's mm. it, it it is it is trying to educate them that way as well, Owen. Has there been any conflict with that? Because I'm I'm obviously putting myself in the position of nine year old Jacob, where you know I'm essentially a young boy. I want to be normal. I want to do these things. I want to be spontaneous. I don't want my dad telling me to do X Y X Y Z. Now, has there been conflict with that type of thing? Even though, like, obviously, it's for his best, but he is like he's still getting used to it. Has there been conflict with those types of scenarios? Let's say, yeah, absolutely. When, you know, when he's with with myself, it's okay. If he's around friends, or like I say, playing sports, playing rugby, or. You know, he does South Korean martial arts. If he's doing that, and he's having a hypo. You know, he won't want to go back in and join us and enjoy enjoying the people in the in the dojo where where he practices because he feels a bit embarrassed that he's been out for fifteen minutes. And it, it it's me saying to him, you know, you're no different to them. It's okay. You know, we've had to treat you for hypo, and it, it that has a bit of conflict a few times, Owen, because then he said, you know, I just want to go home. I'm like, no. You're not going home because if you're going home, then you might come across as being different. When actually you're not different, you know. Just mm. you know, we, we we just have to ma- manage your manage your blood sugar. So w- yes, we we've had a few argumentative words along the way. I'm sure we will in the future as well. <laughs> of course, um, <laughs> we will. Every you know, you know, every every I say he's going to a kid's birthday party tomorrow. So you know, it's just. It, it's making sure we're doing that preparation beforehand, making sure we're going in and his blood sugar levels are at a good level. So then during his, his hour waves at this Ninja Warrior place in Liverpool, you know, he's not going to have a hypo. And if he does, it's just saying, just come and chill out. Come and chill out for 10, 15 minutes. Let, let me treat you and it'll, it'll be okay. And to be honest with you, again, I mentioned before, all the hay hospital here in Liverpool, that their diabetes team are absolutely fantastic. And the guidance we've had from the psychologists as well, you know, on the how to try and think positively, you know, towards, you know, they, they provide they provide that to the children as well. It's it's that, that's helped massively. It it, it really has, it, you know, um, you know, even even from the small thing of you know wearing his Dexcom on his arm, from actually people say you know him saying why are people looking at me to now he has that attitude. I don't care. Just look at me. It's not. It's not. It's. It's not. It's not a problem. That's we've learned all that from the hospital. You know, from the. You know, the the specialist there. Just you know, the psychology team there saying, you're no different to anybody. You know, um, you, you're no different. Again, that was a bit of conflict in the past as well. Owen, where I'd, I'd be like, Jacob, why are you getting out the swim pool and covering your arm? It's nothing. To, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you get a bit angry by it. To now, and I'm so proud of me. He he just he doesn't care. You know, it doesn't matter who sees it. He's, you know, he's, um, you know, if people stare, they stare. And, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't take that to heart at all, which which is lovely. Mm. Love it. I already love Jacob. Sounds like a great lad. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, even Adam on that, like I have, I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people living with diabetes over the years. And with that, that like sort of conflict that can arise between parent and child with diabetes. 
I have spoken to countless, Adam, countless people who were diagnosed as children and went through a phase where like they didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want to be told to carb count or take their insulin and this, that, and the other. But without fail, every single one, every single one looks back and is so grateful of that, is so grateful that their parents were that way because you're you're already giving him huge confidence in terms of how to manage it, like physically, mentally, and emotionally. So if there is, and look, there's going to be conflict regardless of diabetes or not. I've had plenty of, like, uh, I've had a lot of conflict with my parents even before diabetes. Um, but I'm obviously not a parent of a diabetic child, but from experience, remind yourself that if there is conflict in the future, he'll appreciate it. He always will, 100%. And I can tell you that for an absolute fact, okay? Can I ask you, Adam, one of the things you said in the the Diabetes UK interview that you did or article that you did was when he was diagnosed, it was heartbreaking, which from my perspective, it's heartbreaking to read. What do you feel has been the hardest part? I know there's a lot of it that is incredibly difficult, but if is there one part that you really feel is the most difficult? That was part one of this episode. If you are listening to this on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is the next episode on our list. 